On today's episode, I'm joined by J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks to talk about tonight's matchup between the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks. We talk a little bit about the state of the San Jose franchise, Eric Carlson, what the team might do at the trade deadline, etc. We also talk a little bit about Pete DeBoer and his time in San Jose and as opposed to where he is now with the Stars and just talk in general about what these teams might be pursuing as the season goes on. San Jose looking towards the future in the draft. The Stars looking to win now. We'll talk about all of this and more on today's episode of Locked On Stars. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked On Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Wednesday, January 18th. And whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener, thank you for stopping by and making Locked On Stars your first listen of the day if you're watching on youtube be sure to hit that subscribe button and hit the follow button if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform and if you're listening on apple or spotify and you feel so inclined leave us a five-star rating or review helps us out a ton and gives us an opportunity to reach new audiences people looking for daily dallas stars content can't find any other daily dallas stars podcast out there thank you guys for tuning in now let's not hold off any longer and jump into today's crossover episode with J.D. Young and preview tonight's matchup between the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks and getting caught up to speed uh, on what both teams uh, are experiencing up to this point in the season. Welcome in, everybody, to this Western Conference crossover. The Dallas Stars on the road in San Jose for their final meeting with the Sharks this season. The season series split at one apiece. And talking about this game with uh, J.D. Young, host of Locked On San Jose Sharks, JD, how's it going? Or I know this is kind of the, the last home game for the Sharks before, like we said, before we started recording a brutal uh, road trip ahead of them. Yeah, uh, it's been a uh, long season and it's about to get a little bit longer here for the Sharks as they, yeah, like you said, this is their last home game uh, before a massive East Coast swing where they take on teams like the Bruins and the Panthers and the Hurricane, just some of these like top end teams that are just going to put the final nail in the Sharks uh, season. That has been a bad one. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And even with the bad, there is, of course, the bright spot, which is uh, Eric Carlson, who I know we've talked about before uh, on previous crossovers this season. And I'm sure he's a, a hot topic of discussion this year, just with the performance that he's had. And uh, I know that, you know, there's, a little bit of discussion. I know it's a weird player to talk about with, you know, trade rumors because there's what four years left on his deal. I think his eleven point five million dollar cap hit per season lasts through twenty twenty seven. Is this a guy that you for sure want to see stick around and maybe win the Norris Trophy? Is that kind of the the ideal situation this season where the Sharks get you know a potential top five pick and also you know have a have a guy win the Norris Trophy? Yeah, I mean it, it's going to be kind of interesting, right? Because there is a lot of talk of potential trade of Eric Carlson but like you said he's got four years after this year on his deal and we know how tight the caps are with with you know most teams right most teams are either up to the cap or you know really really close to the cap and 
I just don't see a team being able to fit in Carlson's deal for the next four plus years. And Carlson's been having a great year this year, Norris caliber year, but that doesn't wash out what we've seen from the past three years from Carlson where he's been injury plagued and hasn't been able to, to stay on the ice. So, um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, this, this could be kind of the perfect run of, we're going to be a really bad team, but at least we have Eric Carlson who's really fun to watch. It kind of reminds me of Alex Rodriguez when he was on the Rangers for, you you know, uh, way back in the day winning the MVP, but he was like on the worst team possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it could be kind of one of those type of situations for Sharks fans where it's like, yeah, we're really bad, but at least we get to watch Eric Carlson do fun stuff. And it's, it's, it's been kind of a joy to watch it, especially when most nights are kind of slogs to get through games. Yeah. I, I have to imagine it's just exciting to at least have a, a player like that. That's not just, you know, playing well by the standards of the team he's on, but across the entire league. I mean, not many other guys are putting up the numbers. He is uh, maybe Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. And uh, I know there's a few other good players, Kale McCarr spread out throughout the, the, the league as well, but Carlson certainly turning a lot of heads. And I think will be an interesting discussion as the season goes on of, you know, his, worthiness to win the Norris trophy with the performance of his team. But I think if he keeps the numbers up, he should certainly be in the conversation and he might not get dealt at the deadline, but I think there's a good chance that there could be some moves made with the shark selling, looking to build some capital for the future. What do you think are some of the more likely moves that we could see at the trade deadline from the San Jose sharks? Are there particular players, whether that be prospects or at the NHL level that you think could get moved? What, what do you think the plan is here? Um, as we're, you know, a little less than two months away from the deadline. I mean, yeah, you know, you have to look at our potential UFA guys like Nick Benino, um, you know, Matt Nieto, James Reimer. Those three guys, I think, would help a lot of potential teams. You know, Nieto and Benino, great kind of third or fourth line guys who can kind of help come in, play on the your PK is going to make your PK a lot better. They're going to, you know, good guys in the locker room, um, you know, kind of, play the right way, all that fun stuff. James Reimer, I think if you're looking for to kind of show up your backup goalie situation, or if your goalie maybe is a little, little dinged up, you want to give him some rest, head into the playoffs, or if you need a guy who can kind of come in and start a few games for you, I think Reimer could be that type of guy. Uh, or maybe if your goaltending is a little wonky and you just, you know, want to throw another guy into the, the mix. Um, those three guys are kind of for sure gone. Prospect-wise, Ryan Merkley, who's the Sharks' former uh, first. I don't know when I was getting into a discussion. When do you call a guy a former first round? Uh, that's when When does the – yeah. But anyway, the the uh, Ryan Merkley, who is a first-round pick for the Sharks, requested a trade. It seems like uh, both him and the organization are kind of in need of a fresh start. So I expect him to get traded. And then um, other than Carlson, uh, the big one is Timo Meyer, who is a UFA – or sorry, an RFA after the season. So he has one more year that under control – you can sign him to a one-year, ten million dollar qualifying offer next year, mm. where you can give him a long-term extension. Um, Timo Meyer is really, really good at hockey. He's leading the, it's, you know, leading the Sharks in goals this year. Uh, I think he's at 24, 25 right now, um, and would be an asset to anybody's power play. Can score five on five. Um, just a big power forward who gets the net, and he just likes to shoot a lot. Um, you know, he's kind of the big thing where. It kind of depends. Do the Sharks want to try to keep him, lock him up long term, or you trade him and try to get a kind of solid bounty of, you know, a first round pick plus a top end prospect type of situation for Timo Meyer, who's for a team that maybe they're trying to win a cup this year and having Timo Meyer step into your, your top line and step into your top power play and be a potential 40, 45 goal scorer for your team. 
yeah, that that could be a huge ad for several different teams around the league, including uh, I, I think even the Dallas Stars. They're they're going to be hunting a top six forward, I imagine, at the deadline. And I, I know we'll dive into that a little bit later. But as far as this year's upcoming draft, I know that it's a a good ways away, but it could potentially you know be very prosperous for the Sharks and their organization. It's a not a great year as far as the win column, but it could lead to you know a bright future. And of course, the the golden prize is Connor Bedard. We all saw what he did. At the World Juniors, we've seen what he's been doing in junior hockey just in general. And, I mean, there is, of course, a chance that another team gets him and maybe not San Jose, although there, I think Tankathon had the Sharks at five as of right now, a, a pretty decent odds to get the first overall pick. But in your eyes, if it's not Connor Bedard, who's another prospect in this draft that you would enjoy seeing on this team? Because there's plenty of other really good names, whether it's Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, another guy whose last name is Carlson. Uh, I've seen thrown out there. I mean, there's plenty of good names to choose from. So if if not Connor Bedard, who's another guy that you wouldn't mind seeing in a shark sweater for several years to come? I mean, both those guys that you just mentioned right there, uh, Adam Fantilli would probably be the first overall pick in most drafts if it wasn't for Connor Bedard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a big center, kind of, you know, plays at Michigan right now, uh, but moves you get a lot of the Eric Lindros kind of comparisons, which I think is, is a pretty lofty comparison. Um, but, you know, having a guy like that, uh, if you if you get, if you're able to jump up to that second overall spot, I mean, they're kind of is going number one. We can like, I'm sure we'll start to see the, uh, the, the thing pieces about like, oh, should Fantilli be the number one? No, Connor Bedard is my number one guy. Like we can, we, we can just stop that now. But Fantilli would be a great consolation prize. Um, if the Sharks kind of stay put or in that four or five range, if Leo Carlson is there for them, I think they're going to be laughing to the bank. Um, what he's doing in the SHL, we haven't seen since like Forsberg uh, type of, you know, or the Sedin twins mm-hmm. type of things. And we know the Sharks like to draft guys out of, out of Sweden. 2021, William Eklund, first round pick. 2022, Philip uh, B said, first round pick. Going back to the Swedish well, um, I could see uh, Mike Greer doing that as well. And having a guy like Leo Carlson, you can kind of come in and then you have your your Eklund and Carlson kind of uh, as the foundation of your future. Not a bad way to start. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely some some special players in this year's draft. And like you said, Fantilli, I think, could be a, the number one overall pick if it wasn't for, you know, the generational talent in Bedard, like you said. Uh, so certainly not some bad options, even if you don't get the first overall pick. And got one more question for you. And this one a, a little bit more centered on the past. It's just some thoughts that I've had over the past, you know, few weeks in this season with obviously Pete DeBoer taking over in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this road trip features that the Stars are on a feature two of his former teams. They just played in Vegas on Monday. They have San Jose here on Wednesday night. And, and I'm just kind of curious as to what your thoughts on were on him while he was in San Jose and kind of when he was hired, because obviously he has this history of joining a team, making you know the Stanley Cup finals or the conference finals, and, and then it's just kind of okay after that. And so I'm wondering, you know, is is this the peak? Is this star season as good as it's been? Is this kind of where I should, you know, let my expectations rest and they shouldn't go any higher? Uh, and I know the Sharks and the Devils even were you know, teams that missed the playoffs before DeBoer's arrival, whereas, you know, here in Dallas, the Stars made it to the first round and almost beat Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Bonus, they, they mutually part ways, maybe a little bit different situation. But I'm just kind of curious on what your thoughts were on Pete DeBoer. I know we've maybe talked about it on and off a little bit, maybe even when not recording. But I mean, I mean, what was kind of the the feeling with DeBoer even after, you know, before he was hired, when he was hired, and then even after that, that Stanley Cup appearance? I mean, yeah, when he came in, you know, and he brought a team that was, kind of underperforming and helped turn around 
granted that the Sharks did some some good work in free agency that year. You know, they sent guys like Joel Ward kind of come in and help solidify that that bottom six. Um, and they found a goalie in Martin Jones to kind of ride to that Stanley Cup final. You know, and things were great, you know, especially when you have a very loaded kind of veteran team that the, the Sharks had during that time. You know, you had looking back, you had guys like Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, um, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Brett Burns. You had like a, a ton of guys. I mean, I, I just listed off several Hall of Fame caliber guys in that, that you know. Um, but when things started to kind of fall apart, I don't know if he had like that kind of second pitch, right? If, if things aren't working well, what, what do you go to if this isn't working well? You know, you could see the, the Sharks, the start of the kind of the cracks in the foundation, um, you know, after that Stanley Cup run, you know, some of these guys getting older. When you're spending a lot of draft picks, they're not drafting high because you're trying to win a cup. You know, your prospect pool isn't as deep as it, you know, would expect. Um and then you don't have guys to kind of come in and naturally replace those. And that, that's kind of where the Sharks have were the past couple of years. But, you know, some kind of lineup decisions, especially in the playoffs of going for, you know, the gritty guys over more skilled guys and stuff like that. That's kind of his power play, uh, which I've not been a fan of. Uh, kind of that Pete DeBoer. And then we saw kind of the this reincarnation with it with, with Bob Bugner, which is, I thought was kind of a very stale get it to Brent Burns, let him shoot the puck. And then when you, that works when you have Brent Burns and Joe Pavelski to, you know, really, really good guys at their position, especially Joe Pavelski and his ability to tip pucks, as you've seen over the last couple of years, uh, where he just makes magic happen there and having Brent Burns who can shoot rockets from the point like that works. But then when you start to kind of take away those pieces, what happened, how do you kind of reinvent yourself? And that, that was kind of my worry with, with uh, Pete DeBoer, just his inability to kind of, okay, I don't have these pieces anymore. How do I change my coaching philosophy to the, to the guys I do have to try to get the most out of them? Yeah. It's always interesting just to hear other perspectives on a, a coach who's, you know, been around the league a little bit and I think gained mm-hmm. some respect, but also, you know, hasn't quite reached the the pinnacle of the sport just yet, although he's gotten very close and uh, people in Dallas, including myself really like him so far. And hopefully, you know, things will, will work out for him in the end, whether that's this season or, you know, a few years down the line, Joe Pavelski re-signed a deal to come back for at least one more season. So I trust his judgment of he thinks the organization's in a good place. And he obviously wants to, to win a Stanley Cup before retirement as well. So it, you would think th- things are trending in the right direction, but only time will tell. But we'll continue on with today's Western Com- Conference crossover, Locked on Stars, Locked on Sharks. But first, I want to say thank you to one of our sponsors, Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from NFL playoffs to basketball and the NHL. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. Sharks and Stars, not the only matchup between these two cities or these two regions of the country this week. The 49ers hosting the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL playoffs. 49ers favored as of right now, minus 3.5 over Dallas, so you want to bet on that. Or other NFL playoff games, NHL games, you can do so at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline.net as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. All right, moving on on this Wednesday, uh, Western Conference crossover, Locked On Stars and Locked On Sharks. Flipping the script now to talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars, the road team in this game, their first and only trip to the Shark Tank this year. And 
JD, I'm here to to give any insight that you or your listeners might want on uh, the stars, aka the you know the the feeding system for the sharks. It seems with former <laughs> players and former coaches at some point in their careers, uh, it seems in in small bunches making their way to Dallas. So yeah, I mean, we we saw kind of the first time that these two teams played, and that was Jake Ottinger's first game back, right? And the Sharks yes. kind of had their way, you know, especially in a game where you know a little rusty, right? And the, the Sharks, I think, scored five goals on eighteen shots, which is definitely really sustainable in hockey. Um, but then I think last time we saw it was a kind of it was actually a pretty close back and forth game until the end. Um, what do you think has has kind of changed the most since? the last two times that the, these teams have meet have met um, and, you know, kind of, especially with Jake Ottinger who, you know, came into this season with a lot of expectations, got hurt a little bit at the beginning of the year, but I think it's kind of starting to round into form, right? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And part of, you know, what's made him round into form is his ability to play really well on the road. I actually talked about it uh, on yesterday's episode after the win in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, he gets the shutout there. Um, and he's had a few opportunities to pick up some other shutouts on the road as well. Uh, New York, Madison Square Garden, Keandre Miller scores with 0.9 seconds left. Uh, and then in Columbus as well, the Stars win a game where Columbus scored in the last 30 seconds of the game. So his numbers are, are good at home. They're good when they play in Dallas, but I think they elevate a little bit when they play on the road. And like you said, he played really well in the postseason. I think that was kind of the the early indication of what his season would look like is he, he's kind of the backbone of the team on the road because the Stars offense it's better this year and it's, it's one of the better offenses in the conference and definitely in the central division, but it, it can disappear a little bit at times, especially when they're shorthanded. The stars have been without rope hints for a little over a week now. And so they haven't had as many, you know, scoring opportunities in some of their games, but Jake Ottinger has really been kind of the, the calmness amongst some of the chaos that the stars have gone through. Cause they've played some pretty good teams with rope hints out both New York teams, Las Vegas, they played Calgary not too long ago. So, I mean, I think he's just grown a lot in his maturity and his preparation uh, over the season. And I think, you know, that first game where the Sharks came to Dallas and, you know, beat the Stars by a pretty sound margin. I think it was 5-2, 5-1, something like that. Jake's mm-hmm. first game back from injury. I, I think he uses those games like that because every goalie has, you know, is good. even the best ones have rough nights or nights that they'd like to redo. And I think he uses those and doesn't ponder on them too much and, you know, gets back to work and, I think that's really what you all you could ask for in a 24 year old goalie who plays like one of the best in the league, but in all reality, still has the majority of his career ahead of him. Yeah, and you talk about the shark or the the stars on the road. The sharks are abysmal at home. Uh, they have a four, twelve, and seven record at home this year. Um, just they for some reason they just cannot play well at home. Uh, we saw against the Devils, they gave up a goal on the first shift of the first period uh they gave up a goal the first 10 seconds of the third period and they gave up a goal in the first like 10 the last 10 seconds of the third period so they 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 have a tendency to collapse at at really inopportune times so um yeah i i I don't expect anything different so here from here but i mean the stars i think have been kind of one of the big surprises this year right you know i know winnipeg right now is kind of leading the way uh but I mean, we, we all kind of penciled in Colorado, like, hey, it's Colorado's division. And then, you know, we figured the Wild, the Stars, you know, maybe the Blues. But, I mean, I, Dallas has been way kind of better than expected. Um, what do you think has been, other than Ottinger, what do you think has kind of been the, the reason for uh, that? Is it his name, Jason Robertson? <laughs> uh, one of the big reasons certainly is Jason Robertson. He he has taken some massive steps this season. And, and I think there was a stretch where he went on an 18-game point streak where, he was kind of at the center of attention. He was 
tied with, you know, Connor McDavid and points and goals. And then McDavid, I'm sure got scared and is doing what did what he's doing. He now, played the Sharks is, the other night. That's probably yeah. what happened. <laughs> 83 points this season. And it's not even the all-star break. He might hit 100 before the all-star break, which is crazy to think about. But Jason Robertson is, I mean, still top 10 in scoring top 10 in goals. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's done. And I think it's a huge credit to playing alongside Joe Pavelski and then also Rope Hints when he's healthy. But Tyler Sagan's been slotting in as the top line center. And even he has done a pretty good job alongside those two. So it's made up one of the the best top lines in the NHL that really can just go toe to toe with just about anybody in the league with that mixture of Pavelski's. You mentioned earlier the way that he tips pucks and just his vision and IQ mixed with the the speed and shooting ability uh, of the other two wingers. And it just makes all three of those guys incredibly dangerous. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that's a testament to Pete DeBoer coming in and, and implementing his system with this group of players. And I think that's been a theme across the league with all these coaching changes is some coaches left cities where their systems maybe didn't work like Rick bonus in Dallas, but now he's gone to Winnipeg and, his system is working wonders up there. And of course, Connor Hellebuck, I'm sure helps that as well. And Josh Morrissey and so on and so forth. But Dallas, I think is the same way. Things didn't end well for DeBoer in Vegas. He comes to Dallas and he's got, you know, that top line. He's got Jake Ottinger and he's also got Miro Haskinen, who he's maybe not putting up the same numbers as you would have seen. Maybe Brent Burns put up uh, in San Jose when he was in more of his prime, but Miro Haskinen and the defense in general, I think has taken some steps forward in terms of contributing to the offense. It's Miro Haskinen, it's Niels Lundqvist, uh, even guys like Essa Lindell, who are more pure, you know, defensive defensemen mm-hmm. are, are finding ways to score, whether that's actual goals from the blue line or just putting a puck on net and hoping for a rebound or a deflection. Uh, and it's really just, you know, a lot of different guys getting involved and, you know, you get some good contributions from your veterans, a lot of expectations on Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn this season. And both of them are having some of their best years in a while. I mean, yeah, we know. Uh, find you somebody loves a uh, veteran like Pete DePore because he loves his veteran. <laughs> he sure does. Um, so, I mean, what do you think is kind of the missing piece for this team, right? If you want, you know, other, we're going to start to kind of see that arms race as, as best we can between now and the trade deadline. And like I said earlier, I know a lot of teams are kind of dealing with cap issues and stuff, but. What do you think is kind of the missing piece for this team to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Colorado or Vegas or the Kraken or the Kings and try to get out of the West? Yeah, I think I hinted at it a little bit earlier, but I think the answer for the Stars is a top Matt six Nieto. <laughs> oh, I'm sure if only the, if only that could work hey, out. Hey, second line winger, Matt Nieto, baby. That's... <laughs> you never know. Sometimes the change of scenery is all you need and... I mean, stranger things have happened. That's for sure. (laughs) But it's a, it's a top six winger. I think that's really what the stars need and they're getting that top line scoring and, and, you know, everything else has really just been a kind of a, a mix and match hodgepodge of, well, let's try this guy with this guy and let's, you know, change this lineup a little bit. Really the only other constant players has been Jamie Ben and the rookie Wyatt Johnston, who's having a good season because he's playing alongside uh, you know, a veteran captain of the team, but everyone else has just kind of been a revolving door uh, trying to find guys to play along Tyler Sagan on the second line and then finding guys that can, you know, play those, you know, tough grinding minutes on the third and fourth line, but also can score every now and then. And I think if they can get that true top six winger that can stay there permanently and kind of let these other guys trickle down the lineup, your, you know, your Dennis Gurionovs, your Mason Marchments, then I think that the, the roster becomes a little bit more complete and then, like you said, you can go toe-to-toe with some of these other powerhouse teams out West and 
I mean, it, it certainly is an arms race. And I think the Western Conference is going to be a little bit more competitive throughout the longer this season, whereas it feels like, and this happened last year, the Eastern Conference was just kind of already set up by the yeah. time we got to the All-Star break. And yeah. at least with the top three spots in those divisions, I feel like we're going to be pretty set. And then it's just kind of a race for who's going to get those wild card spots. But out West, nothing is really secure yet with, with either team or either division. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you there where it's just like, because I think there's just been a lot more kind of teams that we didn't expect, right? You know, you look at like, like I mentioned, like the Kraken who are, you know, I thought they were kind of on their way and you you liked, I liked that, them adding Matty Beneers and, um, you know, Shane Wright this year in the draft. And you thought like, okay, like you have a foundation, but they're like competitive and they they can score on you and they can score on you in bunches. Um, and then like the Kings who, again, made kind of the same thing, like got that taste of the playoffs working through their rebuild and then, okay, we're going to add Kevin Fiala. Now look at us. We're ready to kind of, they need to kind of, I still worry about their goaltending. Yes. And then Vegas, uh, you know, we, we know Vegas whenever their guys are healthy, those guys, you know, Eichel and Stone, that's a, that's a pretty good start for most teams. But, and then with Colorado being so injured this year, it kind of does feel like more wide open, but with Colorado, are you, do you kind of feel like it's the, the looming kind of for the, the sleeping giant that's ready to wake up and just start putting people down? uh second teams around here soon yeah yeah that that's kind of my thought and i think if you you ask the other people that cover the central division and their teams that's kind of where everyone's at is take advantage now and try to get your points racked up and and get as many wins as you can because when that team's 100 percent, i just don't see why they can't be the same you know the same threat that they were in the playoffs last year like that you lose you know andre burakovsky you lose nazim kadri but all, all the really really good players are still there and you know i've been saying for a while now that they're one of those teams that they might not be the highest seeded team in the postseason, but it, you don't, you don't want, want to get them. that matchup. <laughs> and I know the stars definitely don't want that matchup. I think they'd much rather get, you know, a matchup either within their own division of Minnesota, Winnipeg, or, you know, one of the, the Alberta teams that's kind of sitting on the fringe of wild card spot right now. I think I'd take a, and, and even then you don't necessarily, I don't think want Edmonton either, because then you have to go up against Connor McDavid. So I think the stars would prefer that, you know, Colorado either stays the same and maybe Nashville or St. Louis sneaks in. Or, or you stick with the you know a fringe playoff team from the Pacific as well. So as long as it's not Colorado, I think <laughs> Dallas has a good chance in the postseason. Yeah, you it's you just want to hold off on playing Colorado as long as you possibly can because yeah, you you expect them to get healthy by hopefully they get healthier, maybe not hopefully get healthy. Uh, well, I mean, I want to watch good hockey, so you do want to see those guys to, to you know as someone who doesn't have a horse in the race, you do want to <laughs> see those guys get healthy and kind of everybody play at their full capacity. That was kind of what oh, yeah. sucked about last year when they played the Preds. And UC Saros got hurt, and it's just like, oh, well, there goes that for, you know, at least like UC Saros might be able to steal a game or two from them. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, all right. So if you are uh, GM Dane Lewis, uh, you, I know you need to, you're trying to add a, a, a top six winger. Where else, maybe kind of some fringe moves, are you trying to, you know, smaller pieces, not those big splashy ones, but maybe a smaller piece to, to try to kind of add to the Saros team? Yeah, I almost, I mean, you could go, I think, defenseman and find a route there, like a, you know, a bottom pairing guy. I think the defensive core is fine overall. There's a few gaps here and there, and there's some nights where defensively they're not super sound. I think they've been better as of late, mm -hmm. but there, there's guys like Ryan Suter who's making way too much money for how old he is. And I mean, you just spend two minutes on Stars Twitter and it's, you know, 20%. Hey, we love Jason Robertson and we love Jake Ottinger. And then the rest of it is, fire Ryan Suter into the sun. And, and so it's, you know, it, it's guys like that or guys like Yanni Hockenpah that are big guys. They can check hard. 
mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily the most sound on the defensive end. And so if they, they might could look to round that out. But, you, you know, you mentioned earlier, a lot of teams up against the cap and the stars after, you know, re-signing Jason Robertson and after extending Rope Hintz and Jake Ottinger and Joe Pavelski is getting a new deal next year. They, they just don't have a ton of money lying around, but I think they have some pieces down at the AHL level that they might can move. Anton Hudobin has been down there all season kind of rehabbing. He got injured last year, but you know, he has a, I think like a $3.3 million cap hit against the team. So the stars might could look to move him and, and send him off to a, a team looking for, you know, goaltending support similar to, you know, what James Reimer might could do and some prospects as well. There's some guys that I think that you don't want to cross, you know, move on from like Logan Stankoven. He's very uh, good. Yeah, he, he's so good. <laughs> like if Connor Bedard's not in that world juniors, he's probably like the guy that everyone's talking about. But again, it's it's Connor Bedard. So what are you gonna do? But I mean it's not just him. There's uh Jordan Kairou's brother, Christian Kairou, who's a, a defenseman playing junior hockey right now. He's second round pick from the 2022 draft. Leon Bichel, first round pick playing in Sweet or yeah, Sweden. Um mm-hmm that was representing team Switzerland in the world juniors, just both countries starting with S and gets me confused, but there, there's certainly some pieces that, I mean, if it's a really, really, you know, like franchise altering top six player, or, you know, top defenseman, I think maybe you consider moving on from those guys, but it, I mean, it has to be like a variant, like a, Hey, this is almost securing an appearance in the conference or Stanley cup finals. Cause like a Tebow Meyer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a guy like that or a Bo Horvat, <laughs> someone that is going to come in, I mean, and instantly make an impact. Cause you also, I mean, it'd be nice to win a championship, but you also have the other end of, do we want to hold on to these young pieces and, you know, play the long game? So I I think that's really the only other move. I think goaltending is fine. Scott Wedgwood has been a a solid backup, and I think that could even be who we see tonight in in the Wednesday game in San Jose with it being game one of a back-to-back. And, you know, I'm really curious to see how the Stars approach the trade deadline with, one, their cap space, but also I, I just feel like they're not maybe the premier landing spot at least in a lot of people's minds. I think some people think that guys want to go to Colorado or they want to go to New York or even Boston or, you know, a city like that out East. Yeah. I mean, I I think though, you know, that do you want to play the long game or do you you only your window can close really fast. I mean, just as Sharks fans, right. We were Western conference finals to, we have made the playoffs in four years. This is going to be the fourth year in a row uh, type of situation. Like it can close fast. And I, I know like, in prospects too. I mean, you, I, we all, everybody, every fan overrates their own prospects. I do the same thing, uh, except for William Mecklen. William Mecklen's very good, uh, but every fan over overrates their prospects. But at, you know, at the same time, as we we've seen prospects do amazing things. I'm not saying Logan St. Coven or whoever like they're gonna burn, but we've seen them flame out. I mean, Brian Merkley for the Sharks, amazing prospect. Just for some reason, now you know where it's, it's just not gonna happen type of thing. So. I think for a team like, especially like, I know you do have a lot of young players like, like Hinson Robertson, stuff like that. But I mean, you know, Joe Pavelski, your Sagans, your Benz, those guys are getting a little long in the tooth here. And you, you know, you, you got to think if, especially with a guy like Pete DeBoer, uh, I think this is probably their time, especially if Colorado, you know, especially if Colorado doesn't get back to being fully healthy, this could be the time to try to steal one before uh, the Avs kind of, you know, regain their form and, and try to, you know, roll through a couple of Stanley Cups here in the next few years. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's it's a exciting year, I think, for any team in the Western Conference. It feels like it's anyone's game there. It's just a matter of once you make it to the cup finals, you're, you're playing a Boston or I almost said Toronto, but we, we all know that you know, they'll, they'll be out by the the, the first, first two weeks of the playoffs, but <laughs> it's Boston, it's Carolina, it's Tampa. 
I mean, it's it's a it's a tough year for sure. But I think I mean, Devore's been there, and I, I mean, and I think this team has a decent amount of representation in terms of guys who've made deep runs, in, including some of the veterans on the team. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these guys have have been oh so close, and I think this could be you know a year that they make a move, especially if they can take advantage of Colorado being down and. I mean, even Vegas, who started Vegas off the year hurt, so strong, yeah. yeah, they're hurt. Seattle, I mean, is coming out of nowhere, and I know they just lost recently, but won like eight in a row, and seven of them were on the road. So, yeah, but that it, team's young, you know. They haven't put, you know, you get yeah. to the play, you know how it is. You get to the playoffs, and it's a whole different thing. And yeah. sometimes some of those guys are just it's the the lights get a little too bright. Yeah, no doubt, and I mean, especially that team. Their top scorer is Matty Beneers, who's great now, but again, the playoffs just a, a completely different animal, and a lot of those guys that either haven't been or. Yep. haven't been in a while so it could make for an interesting playoff experience and and even you know you have your teams like winnipeg who no one expected to be here but here they are <laughs> tied for first in the the central and i think technically atop the western conference right now uh, i know they just lost to montreal tonight but they're, they're refusing they're to go good. away they, they started off hot and i thought oh they'll, they'll slow down eventually they'll cool off but they're still chugging along well, JD, thanks for for doing this. Thanks for crossing over. Hopefully, it's a at least an entertaining game. I know this is the last one for for the Sharks for a while at home. So my fear is they're going to give the fans one more good showing. Even though you said they're not very good at home, but they're terrible at home. No, this is like a <laughs> this is like a five two romp by the Stars. So yes, <laughs> well, the Stars could definitely need it. They they need to string some wins together and and distance themselves uh, in, in the division and in the conference because. Again, Colorado's going to wake up eventually, so build up those points now while you can. But, J.D., thanks again for doing this. And if you want to take a second and just plug where Stars fans can find you in case they want more insight on the Sharks, especially with deadline season approaching with, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe these two teams could make it some sort of deal. Yeah, uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at my fryhole. Uh, you can listen to the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks. Um, you can watch on YouTube. I just had an interview with Montana Anyabuchi, one of the uh, San Jose Barracuda defensemen, uh, came on. So really fun chat. And then if you're into the draft, uh, there's no better place to go than Locked on Sharks. Because, yeah, we have nothing better to talk about than the draft. So. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, always I, it feels like every you know, at least once a week I'm looking and you have some star, sharks prospect or you know barracuda player, which is super cool. And I, I feel like not a lot of other you know outlets to to get interviews like that uh, and get some insight from some players that are going to be you know part of that franchise for for a while, hopefully. And I know even some draft picks as well you've had on recently. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did have the uh, Philip uh, B said after uh, the Sharks first round pick he was on uh, last week, so talking about his. Uh, run on with team sweden so that was pretty fun yeah that's super cool but if any sharks fans out there want more information on the stars or dallas stars fans if you're just now finding us for the first time you can find me on twitter at dane double underscore lewis find the show at locked on stars on twitter and instagram and same uh goes for the podcast as far as podcasting platforms free and available wherever as well as on youtube so be sure to give us a a subscription or a follow wherever you are listening or watching but thank you guys for tuning in to today's Western Conference crossover, Locked on Stars and Locked on Sharks. And we'll catch you next time.